coming up on this episode of Coordinated. You know, you, you have to be prepared for anything. And sometimes even as like an administrator or even as a teacher, you're always like, you're never going to believe what happened. Well, AP coordinators say the same thing. Since 1955, the College Board's Advanced Placement Program has been delivering excellence in education to millions of students worldwide through over 18,000 AP programs. And in each of those AP programs, we find the AP Coordinator. And what makes a good AP coordinator? Well, I believe the best AP coordinators are dedicated, motivated, and well, coordinated. I am Derek Kometa, and this is Coordinated. Thanks for joining us for a series of interviews with experienced and incredibly talented AP coordinators. This school year, more than just about any in recent history, presents some unique and unprecedented times for schools and AP programs. Perhaps, perhaps there is no better time to share our collective voices and perspectives. Period one, dedicated. Of course, here on Coordinated, we're a little biased. We love and truly appreciate AP coordinators. We do so much work to support our AP program, including, of course, our AP students, families, and our AP teachers. We understand the AP program very well at our school. It's not often, though, that we have an opportunity to speak with someone who has been an AP coordinator at two different schools and two very different schools despite being in the same district. Today, I've been virtually sent to the office of Kristen Cacase at Santa Lucis Community High School in Florida. She's the AP coordinator there and also the assistant principal in charge of discipline. I'll try my best to, be, uh, to behave myself today, let's say. Kristen Cacase, welcome to Coordinated. Yes, Derek, please make sure you're on your best behavior and get to class on time. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here and to have an opportunity to chat with you again. Kristen, many who are listening to this are deep into some cold, wintry weather right now. So let's bring some sunshine to everyone's day. How's the weather in Florida? Ironically, it's a little cold for us here, too. It's it's a a whopping like high 60s. So, you know, we have long sleeves on and pants and sweatshirts, but it's beautiful. The sun is shining, um, blue sky. So I really can't complain. We don't have any of that white stuff on the ground. So <laughs> Kristen, specifically, you are just a little bit north of, of Miami. Is that right? Yes. So my school is located um, in Palm Beach County. We are just south of West Palm Beach. I reside in Palm Beach Gardens, which is, if we have any golf fans, it's the home to the Honda Classic. And it is a very, we do by county here, so it's a very large county. While this has not always been my home, 
Um, I'm originally from the snow country of Buffalo, New York. It's there that I got recruited to teach for Palm Beach County at uh, Boca Raton High School. And I traded in my snow boots, jacket, and threw out my ice scraper and made the long trek down here to uh, South Florida. Traded it in so I could wear my flip-flops and get some, get some uh, sun and a tan. I'm sure during the uh, winter months, that seems like it was a good career move for you. <laughs> yes, it is. When I'm sending pictures of the temperature here and people have snow. So Kristen, we often ask uh, our guests on the show about their journey into education. Today, though, uh, hearing about the job you had just prior to your current one, it's very relevant to our conversation. So can we talk about that in some detail? Yeah, absolutely. So I um, met, well, we met when I was working at Boca Raton Community High School. So it's the south, it's the most southern school, high school in Palm Beach County. I was a dean there, so I was in charge of academics and I oversaw all testing, um, specifically AP testing. And just to give you a little bit of background on the school itself, it's one of the largest comprehensive high schools in um, Palm Beach County. It's gigantic in size. There it serves a community of about 3,500 students. And in terms of my responsibilities, it basically as, an, as a dean, like I said, I would do academics, discipline, and then testing. I did state testing, um, SAT, AP, um, AP testing, and then really kind of worked with their program there. So it's their program size because of the size of the school was very, very large. Just to kind of give you an idea of the size of the program, we... Um, there were three of us AP coordinators, one solely working with Capstone and two of us working with all other aspects of AP program. We served, or we did about 4,000 tests and had over about 1,600 students, offered approximately 31 uh, AP courses. Uh, some would say, holy cow, that's crazy, but our pass wow. rate was pretty, pretty well, <laughs> yeah. 4,000, when you say 4,000, I assume you mean 4,000 each year. Correct. Wow. Yes. So I definitely got my steps in, I shall say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a little uh, traveling around campus, I'm sure. Yes. So Kristen, you, you mentioned that we met through your former school and, and time really flies. That was a few years ago when we, when we met through a mutual colleague of ours. And if I recall correctly, you helped us out with a, a pilot uh, around the student enrollment process. Correct. Yeah. So we got chosen to have Terry Redican, Trevor Packer, and their team come and do the pilot for the uh, registration and ordering and um, students joining AP Classroom to see what, <clears throat> excuse me, to see what obstacles and, and roadblocks the students would encounter at every grade level. Um, so it was a eye-opening experience, I think, for us as a school, one of the largest schools, to know what we were going to encounter. And then also for a college board to know how to help streamline the process uh, when we were going to roll out the new APRO. Kristen, quite a bit has changed since then. That was, that was before ordering AP exams in the fall, and that was before AP <laughs> registration and ordering even existed. Yeah. Uh, and of course, that was... Before coronavirus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the good old days. Yes. So let's move into uh, our present day to talk about what's happening right now. So what's life 
uh, like for you at your new school, Santa Luz's Community High School, home of the Chiefs. I am in Chief Country now. I moved from Bobcats to Chiefs. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's totally different. It's uh, like completely opposite end of the spectrum. It is the same district as my former school. Like I said, we do it by county here, but it's, it serves an entirely different population, and it's located in a different um, has different dynamics. So I was offered the opportunity to step into an assistant principal role. Super excited, obviously sad to lose to leave my old school, but I love it so far. I'm still an AP coordinator, which I am thrilled about. And that was one thing I was like kind of adamant about and that would have been a deal breaker just because I, I I can't I can't let it go. It's like stuck to me. So I love it though. We're but, glad um, to hear that. We're very yeah. glad to hear that. It's good. It's so far so good. I absolutely love it. Well, Kristen, personally, I think your new school is is very fortunate to have an experienced AP coordinator step into the role. That that doesn't happen very often. So, how did how did the school year start for you? So we started three weeks later than normal. Um, we usually start in the beginning, uh, middle of August, but because our case of coronavirus was a lot higher, we started three weeks later than normal. We had, we are not a one-to-one district, so we had to give out Chromebooks to students. We did that for three weeks, and I will be honest with you, I'm still giving out Chromebooks to students, and things changed every week. We would do one thing, and then they'd come back, and, and you know, the state would change it, or the district would change it. Again, the best, the best thing that we did was to keep the focus on our students and the safety of our, our students and our staff, so... We just kind of had to roll with the punches. And even to this day, we just, nothing, nothing's guaranteed. We don't know if we're going to be here tomorrow, if we're going to be home. So we always have to kind of be prepared and, and plan at the last minute for things. So it's kind of, I kind of link it to AP testing. You sometimes just don't know how things are going to go. You kind of have to be prepared and plan. That is understandable. And as, as you, as you said, many are in the same position where they're having to be flexible and agile and it's a it's a challenging time in education yeah that that it definitely is and so Kristen your school you started virtually is that correct yes that's correct we started um all students and teachers were totally virtual we did that for about three weeks and then once Palm Beach County went into phase two we had one week to get our school up to CDC code and guidelines, and then they opened up for brick and mortar. So students have a choice. They can choose to stay virtual or they can choose to come back to brick and mortar. They can only make that decision at this point now at the end of the semester unless that there's an academic concern or you know a specific concern that, that we need them to come back to campus. But again, we still just have to be flexible because at any moment they could say we're going back to virtual. So we just make sure that all students have any resources that they potentially need to be successful. So how are your AP teachers doing? Would I, uh, would I safely assume that they are adapting as well and, and hopefully embracing distance learning? They are doing the best that they can. I actually was speaking with one today and she was speaking so highly of the videos and the um, AP classroom resources. And, you know, since this is my second time around, I had the ability to work with them and to show them all the resources and to remind them to use it to their fullest 
advantage and use it to reinforce concepts for their students, especially now that we lost three weeks of instruction because we started so late. Um, so it's really just being that support for them and reminding them that even though this is a crazy time, like take a deep breath. These are these are resources that are available to you and we're all in this together. So we're going to get through it and we're going to do the best we possibly can. Well, we are certainly glad to hear that. And you're right. Those AP Daily videos are indeed a, a great resource for AP students and your AP teachers. Uh, and it's great that they have you there to help raise awareness um, about all the different supports that College Board is providing. And uh, speaking of supports, it's time to take a quick break to hear about another College Board resource. This one is for us, for AP coordinators. So let's check in with Carrie and Carrie to hear more about the AP coordinator community. Hi, AP coordinators. I'm Carrie Larison. And I'm Carrie Franz. We moderate the AP coordinator community. This is a free online platform that connects over 6,000 AP coordinators from around the world. One of the primary uses for the community is to host coordinator-related conversation and collaboration. Many coordinators feel all alone at their schools and do not share the role or have an assistant. Right, and the opportunity to engage with other AP coordinators, especially around best practices, is so helpful. Plus, I like to validate that what I'm doing is correct or that I haven't missed any important tasks. New coordinators learn a lot just by seeing what is asked and answered, and even experienced coordinators have been learning a lot of new things these past few years. Yeah, here's a good example. Recently, there was a collaborative exchange between experienced coordinators. The topic? How often everyone submits updates to their AP exam orders and AP registration and ordering. I thought this was an excellent discussion. Some coordinators do this every time they make an update, and others less often. It was great to see all the thoughtful comments and suggestions from our peers because there ended up being really good reasons for each option. In this case, there's more than one right way to get the job done. By now, you may be wondering, how do we access this community? Just go to apcommunity.collegeboard.org to get started and request your free membership. Again, that's apcommunity.collegeboard.org. And once you're in, you can choose a setting that allows you to receive a daily digest of all activity. This is so convenient since it's sent directly to my school email address. And this year, more than ever, we think it's important to be part of the AP coordinator community. Together, we'll continue to find the best ways to support AP programs at our schools. Thanks, everyone. We look forward to coordinating with you. Period 2. Motivated. Kristen, how long have you been in your new role as assistant principal and, of course, AP coordinator at Santa Luces? Um, I started at the end of January 2020, and uh, it was not very long, though, that we went to virtual learning in mid-March, so <laughs> I was not here too, too long on campus last year. That sounds like it was uh, an interesting time to take on a, 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 new, a new job. Yes. What, what are your uh, responsibilities there? Obviously, AP coordinator. I'm also over acceleration. We are really trying to push our students to take advantage of college-level classes and to succeed. I'm over guidance department, and I work with our biology team. So about your AP program, can you share a little bit more about that? Of course, yeah. So 
The AP program here is significantly different than the one that I had at my previous school. So we only have 10 AP courses. Um, we have approximately 323 students participating in those courses. And some of them, we don't have too many that are taking multiple AP classes, but we are doing, this year we're slated to do 411 tests. Our largest class is AP US History with 83 students. So it, it is a, a very small program, but it's growing. And that to me speaks volumes. Well, your perspective about the size of a program, that, that's, a little, that's a little skewed based on how large your, your former program was. Uh, just about any school after that would be smaller in size. That's, that's very true. So to me, this is really small, but to some, this might be an average. So Kristen, what is what is different about uh, the two schools? I, now, I assume there are probably many things, but is there anything specific to advanced placement? Yes. So we at, at my school, we don't have as many students who participate in advanced placement courses. It's a Title I school where 80% free and reduced lunch. So we have a lot of other challenges along the way that students are encountering. We do not have many students that participate in Florida Virtual School, which is something that was very common at my old um, school. So we really push our students and we try to give them the confidence to participate in these AP classes and kind of push them past their comfort zone. Kristen, for, for those who are not in your state, in the state of Florida, can you explain a little bit about Florida Virtual and how that works with, with high schools there? Yeah, absolutely. So Florida Virtual School, it's abbreviated FLVS. So in case of someone from Florida mentions that FLVS is just an outside school that any student in the state of Florida can participate in and or really anyone across the country. But what it is, is it's online schooling. All students in the state of Florida that graduate from a public school have to participate in one online class. And so they usually do it through FLVS. A lot of times, too, if a school is not offering an advanced placement course on campus, let's say, for example, um, AP Italian, but a student wants to participate in it, they could take it through FLVS. It does not cost the student anything, but then they would still be a student at, at my school. They would take this class and then I would host them for their AP test. So it would be like the exam only section um, and they would take the exam, or excuse me, they would take the AP course through FLVS. So let me make sure I understand that correctly. So some of the AP courses that a school, that might be too small for a school to actually hire a teacher for and run, students could take that through uh, Florida Virtual School, take the class, get the instruction, get access to AP Classroom through Florida Virtual, and then you would host the actual exam at your school. Is that my understanding that correctly? That's correct. Yes. Awesome. That's that's great. That's great to have access. To, uh, it's great that students have access to all those additional AP classes that way. Yeah, and, and it doesn't limit them, which I think is great. Excellent, Kristen. How how about you? And I guess by by that I mean how about your experiences as the AP coordinator? So you you've been at two different schools now as the AP coordinator. Any good stories that you can share about maybe something you you learned the hard way early on in your AP coordinator career? Yes, there's, I you know, I can, Chris, just a couple Kristen, are I can see you. Kristen, I can see you're cracking up over Zoom right now. I, I can see you smiling. This is going to be yes, a good story. I have a couple and it's just, you know, you, you have to be prepared for anything. 
And sometimes even as like an administrator or even as a teacher, you're always like, you're never going to believe what happened. Well, AP coordinators say the same thing. Um, so <clears throat> I always say like the best thing is to be prepared and overtrain your proctors because I've experienced fire drills in the middle or fire alarms going off in the middle of testing, power outages. We've had students pass out, um, you know, six students. We've had a ceiling. We had a huge, if you've ever been to Florida and you know the rains here, we had a huge rainstorm roll through and the kids were all testing and down comes the ceiling and it's leaking, gushing water. <laughs> oh my God. And I was like, what, like, what do you do? So it literally was, okay, we just moved the tables out of the way and we just got a bucket and the kids kept testing. We've had, you know, fights break out. We've, you just have to be prepared and you can't, you cannot let it bother you or show any type of frustration because then that just goes toward the student and you want them to have the best testing experience ever. So yeah, just, I mean, there's so many different stories, but some of those are the ones that have stuck out that you're just like, what? Did this seriously just happen? So two good lessons there. One, have a bucket handy for your proctors. <laughs> yes. And two, always work to keep your student's anxiety level reduced no matter uh, what comes your way. Exactly, exactly. Kristen, what helps you personally succeed as an AP coordinator? And please do not say, quote, being organized, because of course, that's a given. <laughs> yes. Honestly, I have to say it's finding your own groove. Everyone does things a little bit different. So what may work for me at my previous school is not necessarily going to work for me at this school. So it's learning your, the dynamics of your school, of your students, and then kind of using your experience from testing coordinating at a different school, coordinating and um, collaborating with other coordinators, the, the AP coordinator community, fantastic resource that you know I'll pull from and get ideas from other coordinators, and then making it your own, making it that, that you, your students are going to be successful and that you're going to have a smooth testing season. So that really is what has helped me and know that just because it works good at one school doesn't mean it's one size fits all. Hello, fellow AP coordinators. Martha Rodeheaver here, assistant principal and AP coordinator at Oakton High School in Vienna, Virginia. At my school, our AP program is large, one of the largest in the nation. This year, we're looking at over 4,000 exams for about 1,600 students. Naturally, at a school this size, we deal with transfer students all year long, just as most schools do. I just wanted to share two quick reminders about transfers. One, if we are the school transferring a student out, using the transfer out action removes the student from all AP courses and exams at once. And we do not have to wait until the other school enrolls the student in a class section in their AP registration and ordering. As soon as we know the student is leaving for sure, we can transfer out. And two, if we are the school transferring in a student, well, we wanna be sure to have the student enroll with the transfer code, not the join code. The transfer code automatically waives any $40 late order fees. And again, we do not have to wait for the former school to transfer the student out. As soon as the student is officially in at my school, I can start the enrollment process using that transfer code and get the student enrolled right away so that I can order any AP exams. Again, no late order fees with that transfer code. Good luck with your transfers, everyone. Stay safe. 
Period 3. Coordinated. Kristen, you talked about some of the differences between your two schools, and I'm guessing that some of your past experience, of course, is coming in handy now. How are you helping to build your new AP program? And I guess, I guess we can ask that from either perspective, from your AP coordinator perspective or from the perspective of your assistant principal role. Yeah, that's um, <clears throat> that's a great question. And um, this year we expanded the program by two courses. We added chemistry and computer science principles, which I was excited about. And we really changed the face of AP this year by improving or increasing our equity and access. We're not, you know, just having specific students who have, you know, a certain grade and enter AP classes. We want to expose everybody to them. Our average score is is just just under a three, and I really we're really striving to get that up to a higher average score offering support for these students, pushing the resources that are available through College Board, and and really just showing students that we're here to support them and that, yes, they can do these advanced classes and not to get intimidated because they are college level or they have the word advanced placement in front of them. So it sounds to me like with you behind the scenes, uh, helping with the entire AP program, both from your coordinator role and your administrative role, you're, you're addressing both things. You're talking about average scores and trying to improve performance, student performance, and trying to improve equity and access, both at the same time. Is that, is Correct. that a fair statement to make? Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a big task, and I'm glad your school has, has you to, to help with that. that is, uh, that's great. And how, how's it going? Do I dare ask for, for a progress report? How is everything, <laughs> coming, how is everything coming together? So far, so good. I mean, there are definitely some hiccups along the way just because the situation with um, coronavirus and being some kids being virtual, some kids being brick and mortar, it does pose a little bit more of a challenge and the teachers are expressing that as well as the students. But I'm happy to report that so far this year, we've only had to remove seven students from AP classes um, AP classes, and change their schedules. And, and majority of them are just students who were you know, having other situations outside of our control or they moved so it was good that I didn't have to drop too many from my APRO. It helped me. So yeah, it's it's definitely going a lot a lot smoother. And I think the good thing too is because Palm Beach County pays for the students' exams, that that kind of frees up that burden that some students would potentially express or feel because they can't afford to take the test. So by pushing them to take these AP classes, we're also offering them that support that, hey, don't worry that there, that there's a test at the end of the year because we're paying for you to do it. We are so confident that you're going to be successful that we're doing this for you. Um, so that, you know, especially at my school now where we have a lot of free and reduced lunch students who have various different, you know, academic backgrounds, that's a huge thing that that we really strive to really enforce with the students. I... I forgot about that, Kristen. Thank you, Palm Beach County, for that financial support. It's it's amazing and really appreciated. And as you said, it really allows students to focus on the academic side and persist and stick with the course all the way through from the beginning of the year all the way through the AP exam in in May. And it sounds like if you only drop seven students, oh my gosh, that is uh, that's amazing success. So, congratulations on a great job and. Kristen, I can read into your voice a little bit, and I, I sense you are feeling 
proud, already feeling proud of your new school and the, the work that's happening there. I am. I am so proud. Even even through a pandemic. I mean, we're this is a huge <laughs> thing. And here in Chief Country, we're we're like a family and we're pushing our students to success. We're guiding them, opening those doors for many possibilities and saying, even though we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring in this world and we don't know what's going to happen, we're still here as a school to help support you. Um, <clears throat> so many kids will come to us and say, I can't do this. This cost is too hard. And we say, oh, no, you can do it. And this is how. We're going to show you. We're going to walk you through it. So we don't let any obstacles get in their way of, of this success. And Kristen, I, I'm going to I'm going to share something that I, I know you sort of like to keep quiet. But I understand you also volunteer to help other AP coordinators in your district just out of the goodness of your heart. And that's no small thing considering how incredibly large your district is. Yes, that is very true. I have created a network of other AP coordinators. Like I said, we are one of the largest districts in the nation, and we don't interact that often with each other at other schools. So I have created a network with other AP coordinators just to kind of like be each other's support. Um, We share documents so we don't have to reinvent the wheel. If we have an issue, we'll you know, hey, I've had this situation, you know, how do I handle that again? Or something as simple as, hey, Kristen, I have, this just happened to me the other, you know, right before the final ordering deadline. I have a class, but I'm not offering it here on campus. The student is in FLVS. How do I set it up again? Or, you know, I have a teacher who's going on maternity leave. How do I handle that again? So just little things to, so that they know that, hey, I'm here to help them. And I always say, if I can't find, if I don't know the answer, I'm going to help you find the answer. So it's kind of like our students, like we all have to work together to achieve the goal. So yeah, I definitely will go out and help anybody that needs help and, you know, walk them through things if I need to. I've done meetings with them online and, you know, let me see your screen and oh, right there, there's the button. So yeah, it's it's been good. Kristen, I can't, uh, I really can't think of a better way to finish up this this conversation. You are wonderfully generous with your your time, with your energy and coordinators everywhere, certainly in your district, but really everywhere. Uh, Truly appreciate it. And so does the AP program. Thank you uh, on behalf of the College Board for being such a positive advocate for AP. And of course, thanks for being with us today on the show. Thank you so much. I absolutely love working with the AP program, working with all of you. So this has been really rewarding and exciting. All right, Kristen Cacase, as usual, I save the toughest question for last. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Kristen, what does being an AP coordinator mean to you? That's a great question. That is, it's, you know, as an AP coordinator, you can't say you're responsible for the program because you're not. In my opinion, you are the foundation of that program. I kind of look at it as like like a tree, like you're the, the roots of that program. You help establish all the behind the scenes stuff where your teachers are like the, you know, the branches and your students are the leaves because they're the ones who are going to help you grow that program. But without, you know, as an AP coordinator, you have to help structure it and be that support for them so that this pro- so that the program can be successful. So it's it has you have to be the right person and in the right mindset to be successful at it. But I think once you get to that level, it's one of the most rewarding jobs, and I absolutely love it. Doesn't matter what school I'm at. I, I mean, it's I love it. I absolutely love it. 
When one is an AP coordinator who has the support of AP teachers and school administration, positive progress can happen in a hurry. Parlaying her successful experience with a massive AP program, Kristen Cacase is making waves at her new school in South Florida. Already, the AP culture is shifting and building not only with focused attention and resources on performance, but also equity and access. The numbers, they are clearly moving in the right direction. This year, Kristen's program is offering 20% more AP courses than last year, and they ordered about 20% more AP exams as well. That's amazing growth year over year. One AP coordinator, using lessons learned in the past to help create a better future. One AP coordinator, combined with great AP teachers and school administration, making a difference, helping to build a model AP program, an entire community showing what it means to be coordinated. Although most schools are on break next week, we're still with you. We'll drop a quick episode reflecting on the year that is, or was, 2020. And we'll do it from a coordinator's lens, of course. And we'll recap and share a few stories about what it means to be an AP coordinator. We'll finish 2020 on a high note. Don't miss out. Join us for our next episode of Coordinated. Thank you for listening to Coordinated. Our executive producer is Bill Lankenau, with assistance from Tierra Pinto. Special thanks to AP coordinator Leslie Ladd for her class period announcements. AP art and design student Amy O for her amazing artwork. And former AP Music Theory student, Jackie Ray. Our theme music, it's clearly good as gold. Coordinated is written, recorded, designed, and produced by myself, Derek Kometa. Thanks to Jim Cluley, Terry Redekin, and all my colleagues at the College Board for allowing me to connect with my favorite people in all of education. For more information, please visit collegeboard.org slash AP coordinator training. That's one word, collegeboard.org slash AP coordinator training. And AP coordinators, the lyrics, they say it all. You are 100% good as gold. Till I believe it's all mm-hmm. I'm good as gold